Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog, episode something or other. Uh, I am your host, Josh Gallegos, and joining me this week, Jared Benson, the casual, long time. Jared, been quite some time. Uh, we've both been very busy, but we are back here, joining again to discuss uh, at least one game, uh, perhaps two. We'll see how, uh, how pithy we can be with the first one. But nonetheless, of course, this is... Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate, including today's. Uh, you can support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, following us there or on your podcast service of choice, and by dropping a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Um, it's been some time. I think our last episode, Jared, was was this summer, I think August, if I'm not mistaken. Um but it's been a while. <laughs> this happened last year, too, uh, where we just, like, in the fall, just, like, a huge break occurred because of changing schedules and uh, adjustments in life. And it seems like that's going to be the, the cycle here for our podcast. But nonetheless, we are back. Jared, how do you feel? Uh, I feel good. You know, it may be the case that we need to um, create a, a bank vault of uh episodes and maybe record a couple extra that we don't release until mm. later into the fall <laughs> but yeah yes, i'm not opposed to that yeah i it, it is difficult with the start of the school season and you know things just change in the fall you got to accommodate other people businesses have to accommodate different hours for their guests etc summer is a free-for-all right. but the fall has to be a little bit more structured so that is the nature of the beast that's the way things are unfortunately but no, it's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing yours as well. Yours are going to be a little more fresh. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Metroid Dread. Of course, came out, what is it, I guess last month now, and uh, really fantastic game. We'll get to that in just a second. I do want to reiterate that we're, we're not going to have a typical podcast here. Yeah, we're not going to have a games we plan. Honestly, we could do a quick brush up on that. simple things uh apex and then on occasion i'll try out like a small narrative game just for like casual play like i'm not trying to complete the whole thing um and so i'll go back and play games that i've already played so that i'm i'm not feeling pressured to finish it uh so like for example i, I jumped back into god of war i jumped back into kingdoms of amalore um, and then like Infamous, I got PlayStation now so I can start to stream some older games, but I'm not like dedicated to any one. It's just on a particular evening. Oh, this seems to catch my fancy in this moment, you know, and I've been playing that, but, um, I'm assuming Jared, for the most part, you've been kind of, uh, a, a gamer famine in your life, uh, for, at least outside of Metroid, I'm assuming. 
Well, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I will say that in the last week, the, the, the games that I've been playing outside of Metroid have been the new Animal Crossing update, um, which, you know, the last free update, and then um, I, I paid for the extra DLC content, the Happy Home Paradise, um, which actually is really straightforward. Um, it doesn't take you too long. You have to design homes, and if, once you do 30 of them, you kind of, like, finish you know, you get to a, you know, yay, you did it. And then you can infinitely design homes from there. You can actually, you have a layout within the game to, like, design literally every villager in the game of Animal Crossing. You can design their homes. Um, so that's a pretty cool idea. Just, like, they'll give you a couple buzzwords, then you'll design a home. Um, and then it ends with a special, I don't really want to spoil it, but it ends with a cool concert by... Uh, you know, a special character in the game. But so that's been that's been cool. And then the other game that I've been is playing. It, so here's sorry, Jared. I, I I have not played Animal Crossing myself, but is it enough this last cause it's like the last major update unless there's like paid DLC later. Yeah. Is it enough to keep you around? Like you're back in it or you were for a little while. Have you already kind of jumped out of it again or has it been something that reinvigorated that obsession that you had when the game first came out in 2020 you know it really it just depends like you have to animal crossing is a mood it's a vibe it's a it's a whole experience but but it can be a little underwhelming it's more of like the slow and steady as opposed to the fast and violent you know so it's really more about the fact that i haven't had a good enough excuse to do slow and steady because the pace of my life is so fast. So mm-hmm. it's like when I want video game time, it's been fast and violent, you know, Apex or um, Metroid Dread. So uh, it hasn't really yeah. been slow and steady. But um, I don't I don't know if it'll be enough to pull a lot of the lost users back into Animal Crossing um, because I... <laughs> I think a lot of players will feel guilty that they haven't been playing it, so they don't want to talk to their villagers because <laughs> their villagers are going to be like, "Where have you been the past nine months?" <laughs> but, but, uh, but we'll see. It's it looks it's enjoyable so far, um, and uh, but yeah. But the other game that I've been playing is actually something that uh, you and Karina mentioned on the Red Pixel podcast way back when when Nintendo announced uh, this game. I've been playing um, Skyward Sword. And uh, been enjoying that Zelda, um, Zelda adventure. It's it's there's a lot of things that are similar to Breath of the Wild, and of course it's not as uh, smooth, I'll say, or as big. But uh, it is something that I'm excited to play through. So yeah, how far are you in that? Oh, not very far. I actually, just just got it recently so uh not very far at all and lucy lucy has been sharing it with me so she's been taking up a lot of that time too so i would be very curious to hear your thoughts on that because breath of the wild was a huge departure from the formula of zelda and skyward sword is kind of it's a over-focused version of what the formula normally is like it's it's a very linear version of the formula so it's very different from breath of the wild <laughs> so as someone who for his first game was breath of the wild i'd be very curious to hear what your take would be on a traditional zelda with the puzzles and the dungeons and um 
the Skyward Sword 2 has like the it was in the Wii Motion Plus era, so it's all built around motion. Yep. Which I am very curious. I have not played it myself. I actually have it. Well, my wife bought it and she's been playing it, but I have not tried out any of those um, controls and see if they actually work. But I would be curious what you thought. Yeah. It is a very, very different thing. And Skyward Sword has a way more in-depth story than Breath of the Wild, which I know you're a, you're a character lore world guy. So yes, that might be something we do in the future when we do stack up our episodes and actually get on top of this again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, the reason I mentioned the red pixel podcast is because you and Karina had thought like of all the Zelda games to remake, why this one? I remember you guys saying that. And, right. And uh, so, yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, it is true. My only frame of reference is um, the uh, Breath of the Wild. So we'll see. Uh, but I do look forward to it. So far, I'm enjoying it. So, And this is also my Good. first time playing with an amiibo. Um, Lucy went out and found out that it would be easier to play with like an amiibo. So she got one. So that's going to be a new experience for me as well. Um, yeah, there's like a, isn't there like a, they have a, a feature where you can teleport back and forth by using the amiibo. Yes, um, I suppose. Yeah. And it's, it's tied to that. I found that so annoying. It's like, why would you make that exclusive to the people that buy this action figure? Like <laughs> just have it in the game. Like it's already Skyward Sword HD. You're already remaking it like quality of life, things like that. You should just include but whatever. Yeah. Um, well, Lucy, when I say Nintendo. it's going to be my first experience, Lucy bought the Amiibo, and I'm going to play without it, and we're going to compare our experiences, too. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to play traditional with a controller. Uh, I don't want to use the motion. She's going to use the motion-activated sure. stuff, and I'm just going to play traditional, and uh, without Amiibo, she's going to play with the Amiibo, and we'll, we'll go from there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to finishing it. Sweet. Good. Well, uh, then let's go ahead and jump into the podcast here the main source of our uh podcast information is coming from metroid dread that is our game our pick of this week for the hall of games Metroid Dread, a return to the Metroid formula that was perfected by Super Metroid. Uh, some people think it might be a step back because it's not 3D like the Prime series, but I think this series needed this. I think it's uh, re-centering on what makes Metroid so special. And like the, the genre, I guess, that you could say this game is in is Metroidvania, Right, so of course mm-hmm. Metroid being one of those founding principle cornerstones, but uh, the Castlevania side of it, like, you know, I almost don't even want to call it Metroidvania because this is just like such a pure Metroid game. Like, it is really capitalizing on what has made that series so great. And that being said, Jared, is this your first full playthrough of a Metroid game? Yes, it is. Yes. Obviously, I'm familiar with... So you with... never touched on any of the 3D ones, then? 
Yes, briefly. So this is my first full playthrough, but when I was in middle school or junior high or whatever else and had my GameCube, I played through, not played through, I tried to play through, I sucked, at uh, Metroid Prime, I guess, um, for the GameCube. Yeah. Uh, that was my first introduction to Samus uh, after, of course, outside of Super Smash Brothers, which was many people's first introduction to Samus. And um, so I did not enjoy that because I was not very good at it. But again, the concept of, of flying through you know, a 2D map um, and collecting power-ups that you slowly get you stronger and then a little bit of going back over old areas and being really good at it and tr- still you know, trying to push your limits and discover new areas and unlocking new passageways and all that stuff. The first time that I have experienced that concept was in um, Axiom Verge. Um, so yes. this, to me, was a, fami- a, a return to a familiar and enjoyable formula, but my first introduction into the actual series that made that formula popular in the first place. Yeah, so cool. So cool, that connection, because Axiom Verge obviously being made as a game, as a tribute, really, to Super Metroid. Right. And now you get to see that original series take that that concept and, and run with it. So does it not feel like a step back to you then? Like, I think it, <clears throat> it's perfectly natural for people to see, like, oh, this epic 3D giant world, like, you're able to move, you know, obviously in 360 degrees, and uh, that gives you a better sense of autonomy sometimes than a 2D plane would. Mm-hmm. Um, did it Did it feel like perhaps a maybe even last gen game to you or do you think that it still can compete with the things that are coming out today i mean you got games like um halo infinite coming out this this fall you got um like call of duty i'm trying to think of a couple of the other games that got released last month um death loop and a variety of what you would consider like triple a 3d open world in-depth information and in-depth things to do um, does this game, you think, stand with those, despite the fact that it's on that 2D plane? You know, in terms of graphics, storyline, mechanics, and pace, yes. But I cannot deny that from you know someone who likes to incorporate psychology in everything that they do, you really do have to be in today's video game world where the hottest thing is open world layouts and battle royale system free for alls and RP, you know RPGs uh, th- me thinking of course of like Apex and Call of Duty and Elden Ring you know oh, these massive maps and these massive open worlds and these massive you know storylines um, it is hard to stand out with an older concept especially because that concept came from an era of limitation really um it's hard yeah, to do, if yeah, you absolutely. only have 2D animation. It's hard to do an open world. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't. So yeah. uh, not really. So for me, I think this is more, less about how they executed it and more about how open-minded the player base are. Because the hype right now is uh, the player base is. Excuse me, poor, my poor grammar. Because the uh, player base enjoys open worlds and RPGs and battle royales the most right now. It, you would really have to step out of your preferred genre to enjoy this game. But I would consider myself someone who enjoys an artistic endeavor for the sake of doing things a certain way as opposed to an artistic endeavor for the sake of doing it just like everyone else. 
and trying to put your own okay. spin on what everyone else is doing. So if, for me to go backwards, it's not how I saw this. I saw it as enjoying a specific type of art form and genre, uh, maybe reminiscent of the days of old, but still something that says we can do this because we don't believe the bounds of creativity are, are, are limited by mainstream popularity. So I, I no, really... No, certainly not, and I don't... Yeah, I don't want to imply that either because sometimes I think having limitation makes even more creative de- yeah. like decisions with people. Like people have even better ideas sometimes within those limitations. So yeah. I don't want to make it sound like that so much as I guess like with the price tag, $60 with the length of it. How long did it take you to beat it? Uh, I think 16 hours. Okay, so even even that that's that's more than me. I think I did it in twelve. Um, but just all those things considered, at the end of it, as you finished it, do you feel satisfied with your decision to purchase it? Do you feel um, like you would go back and play it again? Do you feel like there's that value there that uh, a, another game I think would be expected to have in twenty twenty one? Yeah, you know that's a good question. And from that perspective. I don't know that it has, to me at least, much replayability. I think a lot of the replayability, excuse me, the replayability of this game comes from um, the speedrunning community. Just in the sense that, like, you know, the game's been out for a month and there's already speedrunners that can do it in an hour and a half in a game that's really not designed to be beaten using glitches or you know, you know, uh, mess ups in the coding. So it, you know. That, that is a good point. I, d- I don't think that I'll replay it again unless I'm just feeling like a Metroidvania one evening. But uh, in the moment, I don't regret my purchase. And I wonder partially if, if that's because like, I like that I can look over to my TV stand and see a stack of Nintendo Switch games that I've really enjoyed and they kind of like warm my heart and give me fuzzies, you know? <laughs> As yeah. opposed to thinking through each purchase, have they all been worth it? And I think, you know, to rate them... Yeah, 60 bucks is a steep price tag. I I would, you know, we've talked about this before, the, the price tag for a game like Hades is absolutely bonkers because they charged you less than 40 bucks for a game that was so well-developed. This game doesn't have near the complexity, but because it's Nintendo, they're going to charge you that $60 price tag. And so... You know, that's a that's a good question. I don't really I think it was worthwhile to purchase, but then again, you know, if you have limited funds to spend on games, you know, uh I don't know that this one would have been the pick compared to everything that's out there right now. But it is good. I really did enjoy it. So that's that is what it is. For me it was worth it, yes. What what did you think? Oh, I mean, I'm a Metroid nut, so right, my right. favorite game of all time is is a Metroid game. So for me, like this was this is where I wanted to be like this was comforting this was home um and going back to the roots of the series I think was what it needed in this moment yeah I I love ambition and I love seeing new ideas from series and I and I love um when a company isn't afraid to take a risk and try something on a massive scale and just go for it. And when they commit to it, it's amazing. And Nintendo can do that. And they, they've shown that. I mean, we were just talking about Breath of the Wild. Like, that's a perfect example of that. But sometimes you do need to kind of refocus. And Metroid has been in a place where uh, the last major release was Metroid Other M. Which, when you play through that game, you can just tell they lost focus 
of what Metroid was supposed to be. They were unclear of what they wanted to do, what what then those those next steps were. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's been like a decade where they haven't released any other games. And I think that's because they're they're just lost as to like what to do next. And I know they have Metroid Prime Four coming out, but like even that got scrapped halfway through, and they had to restart because, like honestly, that that tells me that they were losing sight of what was so unique about Metroid in the first place. And so to see them now with Mercury Steam go in and just capture those 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 aspects that make it so special, at least to me was perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best game in the series, but it stands up there with all the other 2D ones, which is not something to, you know, turn your nose up at because those other 2D games are some of the best games ever made. So yeah. in that in that respect, Dread stands with them. That being said though, I brought up the like quality compared to other games thing. Because I, one of my major sticking points is that I think that this game could have benefited greatly from a $40 price tag. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, who am I to say? Because they're, they're making a ton of money off it anyway. So good for them. But I, I think this, just within the amount of time that it takes to finish it with just the type of game it is, because it is a 2D game, the production value is there, but it doesn't look like a PS5 game. You know, it still looks like a Switch game, so you're not going to get blown away. There's still awesome cinematic moments that, as a Metroid fan, I'm going to love, but I think, personally, they should have lowered the price and and allowed this to be kind of a refresher on the series going into the $60 Metroid Prime 4, Metroid Prime 4, which... Yeah, yeah. Their their prerogative, you know, uh, their decision. They want to hold their games to a, a high standard or whatever, and they want to say, "Hey, this is a work of art, and we we respect it in that purpose." That's fine, um, but that was a big sticking point for me, despite the fact that I I love this game. I love it so much. Was did um, it? So this was um, revealed that they were finishing this up and working on it and getting it ready for release at E three of this year. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, huge surprise, and right around the corner, perfect way to do it. That's like, right? And Nintendo does that a lot, I think, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes, like because they don't always announce things right away, E three comes around, and then they announce the stuff for the rest of the year, and it's like, it's like a big wet fart, and you're like, oh. Um, but in this case, they knocked it out of the park because yeah, it was like, oh man, um, they're bringing back Dread. Like I don't know if you know anything about the history of it, Jerry. I don't but, like. When the last 2D game came out, which is Metroid Fusion, they made a reference to the next game. And I think it says Operation Dread or something in like the post credits or whatever it is. And so people were speculating and there were interviews and things saying like, yes, we're working on the the sequel to Metroid Fusion. um, And it's like tentatively titled Metroid Dread. That was back in like 2005 (laughs) that they were talking about this. So it's been like nearly two decades and then they decide, let's revive that moniker. Obviously, this is not the same game. It's a different company. It was built from scratch. But to like go back to that and then to commit to that and say, yes, we are making a sequel to Fusion, um, which means that we're going to have to jump into the story you know, at a point far beyond many people who have not played this series will understand. And they don't care. They commit to it, which I appreciate, um, just from the world lore aspect of it. Um, and yeah, they capture that 
that I think desire that all of us had when Metroid Dread was this this possibility. You know, it was this like imaginary thing in the future, but we had heard about it. It had been hinted at, and then it disappeared. And now this game is here. And so all of those feelings surrounding it are awesome, and and the game does deliver on that original promise of a sequel to Metroid Fusion. Um, so in, in all those respects, I love it. Fantastic game. Were you confused? Because I know it does jump in right after Fusion. Were you confused as to the narrative? Was that something you kind of had to just allow to, like, in your mind recognize, like, I'm not going to be able to parse all these little details out yeah <laughs> or understand all these references yeah i mean i did there get, were quite a bit i see i didn't even notice i did not even notice the references i didn't i don't know the history of this game this series at all as with many of the games on the bard's backlog pad podcast the reason i'm called the casual is because i have like many of the games that you choose for us have been like my first dipping of my toe into the water of that thing it's just that right you know growing up i didn't have access to this not I don't I won't even say access enough. I was poor. I, I just didn't have I just didn't have like the interest or the time or the whatever. It just didn't it wasn't part of my childhood. And so like I'm always curious to hear about how your perception of these things so many years removed from their original promises and their original, you know, I you know, birth of their ideas. I'm interested to hear your perspective on that. And you know, I did not get any of these references, but I will say that like <laughs> the Chozo, I was like, okay, I kind of get it because I saw it in Smash Brothers at Brinstar Depths, right? Uh, when I fought, um, what's his name? The big belly button dude. Um, Craid. Craid, yeah. When I fought Craid, I was like, I've seen this dude before. He's ugly just as sure. as he was before, you know? Um, and, and, and all that different stuff. It, none of that meant anything to me on a personal level, it was all my first experience with this stuff. And I, and I did enjoy it. And I felt like the game doesn't lack for richness if you don't know that stuff. You know what I mean? I never felt like, oh, man, I'm missing out on an obvious reference here. I just, just like, you know, that's the flashy jelly bad guy. Got to kill it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't quite. I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. my thing is, like, was it, like, to the point where you weren't getting it at all? Because of how, because like the X parasites, like were you able to figure out like, oh, that's what they are versus the Metroid, like that's where their distinctions are, uh, versus Samus and her connection to the Chozo and the Metroid and the X. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that just had been explained before, and my question is like, did that still get presented to you, a newcomer, in a understandable, interesting way? It did. It did. Um, I I actually believe that the conversations with your AI partner were as succinct as possible. Um, I really did feel like they were explanatory. They gave you an expectation, although vague at times, appropriately vague, I'll say that, um, an explanation of what to expect for this next segment of the game. I loved the cutscenes and the narrative, and the, the final boss fight was really satisfying. A boss fight was really satisfying. Um, so... I really didn't feel like I was left out by not having the history to it. This game was more about mechanic mechanics and enjoyment in the playthrough, the game style for me than anything else. But I, you know, I, I got the general gist of it and I moved forward. I, I genuinely didn't have a moment of feeling left out the entire time I played through it. So, yeah, that's good. Well, that's good to hear because this was one thing like 
as a Metroid fan, I was more than happy that they just jumped back in right after Fusion because right. that was where right. her story had had wrapped up. So it's like, okay, we're continuing the story. Like, oftentimes, after so many years, you know, game series or even just creators of other fiction in general, they're afraid to go back and continue that narrative because they had stopped it at one point, you know, and like it is what it is. People have a particular opinion already. Like the fan base has already grown around it. So to add on to that is a danger and to see that they were willing to like go for it and that they did a great job with it too. Like there's some really awesome, um, ties into previous things. Of course, her connection with the Chozo and like, um, the, her, I, I guess I can say the spoilers, but like her, her father figure, that is there and kind of testing her throughout the entire game and like that's awesome knowing um what i know from like metroid zero mission and the original metroid and then ties to of course the metroid the dna in her body um the x parasites which are all introduced in metroid fusion um but to like see that oh hey we're gonna recommit to that and like have that in our game and that aspect of it as well i was like sweet like build that stuff in um the connection to adam the so the the ai character who's like who's your checkpoint guy who like gives you information on what to do next whatever um his name's adam and he's named after um samus's former commanding officer back when she was in the galactic federation so like there's little things like that where it's Mm. like if you know the series you're like yes or like when you see crate arrive it's like yes and and so like those sorts of things as a longtime fan i absolutely adored and i was so happy to see that they weren't willing to or that they weren't afraid to hold back uh and that they were willing to just jump in there that being said it's still a very simple story it's not gonna blow your socks off there's still some really cool cinematic moments especially in boss fights that make it just like it just takes it to that next level you know like Mm -hmm. and sometimes it happens like naturally too like it's not always um well it's usually quick time but like it's usually after you do like a counter you know yep so like you'll counter them you don't realize necessarily that you can counter that move but then you do and then the boss kind of like falls back and then the game like rewards you with like this epic moment and it just feels good and and so in that way like the cinematic side of things the presentation of it is absolutely awesome um and and i loved that they committed to all of that like that's that's what I wanted from another Metroid game. I don't want you to pull your punches. And they didn't on the lore side of things, on the world side of things. I do think on the world building, and even as I say this, I'm hesitating a little bit. I think that they kind of pulled punches there just because of really how linear the progression feels once you figure it out. Like once you realize like, oh, they're tunneling me, like they're they're pointing me in a direction and telling me to go that way like once you figure that out the game feels a lot more linear than some of the other metroid games have but there's still a heavy amount of exploration there's still moments right where you get stuck and you're exhaustively staring at the map trying to find where i haven't looked yet (laughs) like like what gray spot is there that i haven't gone and seen or like where is there an opening that perhaps i didn't realize was there that i can go and explore so like you still have those moments from time to time um, but I am just so happy that they committed to what Metroid is like those stuck exploration moments, some of the obtuse stuff, um, which 
which did trip you up a little bit from what we had said in our conversations. And it tripped me up as well toward the beginning of the game where I just had to readjust like, oh, Metroid is like this, where sometimes they just don't tell you what to do and it's not obvious either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like modern games are great about like, oh, this ledge, like get this ledge, it has... Um, a white tint to it you know like it's a different color so you can tell that this is where i want you to go yeah and metroid does not do that like there's one particular moment toward the beginning of the game where you go to like the second area and the place you have to go as you get up into the second area is actually not the place you're pointing like as you come up you're oriented toward a door to your right but the place you're supposed to go is actually through the wall to your left but it looks like a regular wall so you wouldn't think twice about it until you shoot it and then it opens, but you wouldn't think to do that because it's not giving you that handholdy thing that a regular video game today would do. But that's Metroid. Like Metroid always had moments like that. So like to see them like being okay with doing that in a modern setting and not being afraid to like maybe throw players for a loop or, or fluster them or confuse them, like that's Metroid to me. So like the fact that they preserved all those moments, this game's i love it i love it so much yeah I, I look forward to playing it again i'm planning on doing so probably over winter break on the hard mode and we'll see how that goes because the game was really hard on its own already yeah yeah <laughs> now in the, in response to um the lore and the expectations you know surrounding it from what i understand and what i've read the creator of this the the dread storyline actually knew what he wanted to do before or very soon after, close to the time of Fusion, the last release. It's just that yeah. he felt like the technology in the gaming industry did not live up to the standards that he had for that game. Um, and so he waited. And then finally when the Switch came out, you know, he bypassed the, the Wii and whatever else. Finally when the Switch came out, he felt like we can do this on the Switch. Um, and, and so he waited a really long time to, uh, to make sure that when they executed this game, it would be perfect. And I, I really do feel like because the gameplay is so strong and because the mechanics are you know just fantastic and so gripping that me as a newcomer to the series didn't feel like I needed the background to enjoy the game. And I know I'm kind of going back a little bit in time to when you asked me that question, but there's been other games that we've played that I didn't feel that way. Like... Um, um, the one with Byleth, I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I just Fire Emblem. Yeah, Fire Emblem. I just could not do it. There was so much that I was missing from past games that I did not have the prerequisite love for the game to enjoy it. This game, totally different. And um, and we can talk about for sure the 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 game's sometimes too linear feel for sure. And you're absolutely right. Like the game does not hold your hand, and it is quite difficult on normal mode. You're gonna die a lot. <laughs> like you're you're gonna miss the timing. You're gonna get caught by an Emmy, which is fantastic. I love that aspect of the game. Um, you're gonna get caught by a robot and get you know probed. It's gonna be you know it's gonna be a great time. But but the, the is that what they're doing when they stab you in the face with that giant needle? Or are they probing you? Thank goodness that scene is not like hyper graphic. I don't know that I could have handled it if it was like Mortal Kombat level graphic when they stab you in the face. Um if we're being frank, but but the uh no that that's like Tomb Raider. Did you ever play the Tomb Raider like the the newer 3D games? No. 
it's like any time that Laura Croft dies, she's like in like anguish, like torturous, horrifying death. Yeesh. It's like, oh my goodness, every time you die. Yeah, it's just anyway, not. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, it's not my style. Um, I do not enjoy that. No, but but for sure. So on to the point that you made. The game holding your hand definitely... You know, I actually, I didn't feel like the game was holding my hand until later on. I really felt like the world was my oyster and that, like, I would eventually get to um, these these power-ups and these abilities. Because I had played um, Axiom Verge, I was like, okay, I get this formula. I'm going to eventually acquire an ability that's going to allow me to unlock a door that's going to whatever else. The, the, The issue is that I felt like there were way more options at the beginning of the game to go at first with your limited base self than there were towards the end of the game when in reality you had exhausted many options up until that point um i really i wanted more of a and this is really my my first maybe my biggest criticism of the game i wanted more layering of the abilities so for instance like there is a point, there's a point in, I think, the Dairon, which is like kind of like the main center big area of the game. You go back through there a lot. Um, and there was a point where I used the bomb uh, to blow myself up so successfully that I actually blew myself from the floor to the ceiling with um, the, just the bomb, just like igniting it at the right time, like that pattern all the way up to the ceiling. And I got to a point where I like grabbed the ledge and rolled over and got an item that I did not use. It was like the energy booster for the mega bomb. I got that item from Dayron like probably six hours before I needed to use that in the game. It was really like quite a moment of like, oh, I definitely was not supposed to be able to do that just now. And I I almost wish that that was incorporated. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not intelligently, um, intentionally into the game. Like, new oh, ways... I wouldn't say that wasn't intentional. Say what? Personally, the the jumping bomb thing is a classic Metroid ability. Like, it's built into the game. Like, they, they know that you can use it. And, and there is, like, some aspect to that sometimes that they have in the game where you can go and get items earlier than you should. But it's not like it's an accident per se. It's kind of like, oh, if you're clever enough, they'll allow you to do it. Here's why, um, which is great because I totally missed that. Which means you were you were looking closer than I was. Well, it it was an accident because it was a gray area above this big room. There's a room where you like it's got a really high ceiling for whatever reason in the middle of Dairon. It's where the Emmy the Emmy area is, and it, mm. there's there's like a couple doors way up top. But the reason I say it was an accident is because later on you're supposed to use a speed boost to fly across the room to get that object. It's like very intentionally set up to do it that way. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, right. But I guess I get, I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, you have that, that scripted, they're funneling you moment later where you'll eventually get it no matter what, but they know that you can kind of finagle the system. It's almost like breath of the wild, like breath of the wild gave you the tool set and then let you figure out the solution sometimes, which really breaks the game in a lot of ways. <laughs> right, right, right. Especially now at this point, you know, four or five years later where people have figured out the game so well. Right. And they're, but yeah. like, I'm, those moments, like, 
I guess I wouldn't discount the game for that. I, I would consider that like a, a unique feature. Sure. Well, and you're probably right. I mean, you know the series better than I do, and it definitely does feel like we want you to use these tools and abilities to your creative max. You know what I mean? So totally, totally with you. You're probably exactly right. It's just that that was the one moment where I got something, you know, a bonus item or an additional power-up or whatever, that I felt like I wasn't supposed to have. That was the only time. Every other time, I did it the proper funneling way, I guess. <laughs> and I, you know, in that sense, felt like, I guess I had. I wish there was more moments, and maybe this is just my lack of skill as a gamer. That could absolutely be the case. I wish there was more moments where I was able to achieve the impossible, rather, by using an ability in a way that wasn't taught in the tutorial. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's really it. And it, honestly, it's a weak criticism with your explanation because you're probably dead on and exactly right. But that was just a feeling that I experienced during the game. But I do love that you're pointing out that Metroid is like allowing for those Bob Ross happy little accidents to happen, you know, with some of these early, <laughs> <laughs> some of these early abilities on in the game. Um, did you feel like, the game was made a little bit boring. I hesitate to use that word because I didn't find really any part of this game boring. But did you feel like the game was boring in this, like when you did feel like they were funneling you, did you feel like that took away some of your your fun? I think it did just because, he, this was actually a point I was going to make a second ago when you were you were talking because I something you said, I can't remember what you said, made me think of it, but um, I, I figured it out too quickly, I think is what happened. Yeah. Like, when I play through a game and and it clicks eventually, like I, I appreciate it when it clicks and I and I figure out how it's working, you know. And perhaps it's because I played too many Metroid games that this one clicked a little too early for me. Um, and so after that, like if I wanted to, I could have just run through the game and finish it probably in like eight hours. Mm. But I I intentionally went and explored. Um, but I it clicked with me a little too early. Like when I've played. I mean, even Dark Souls this last summer, like, yeah, it, it took a while until it clicked. But once it did, it still kept pushing me, um, and kept surprising me, and kept trying to challenge that knowledge that I had. Now, if I go back to Dark Souls, it's reducted, like in my or reduced rather is the, probably the proper word in my mind because I know it. You know, yeah. like I, there's no secrets anymore. Right. Like it's familiar. Um, I know where the good items are. I know where the good weapons are. I know where the enemies are, whatever that may be. I, I figured it out, you know, but it took me a while in the game the first time I played it to have that moment of connection. And yeah. that happened with this game too early, I think, for me. And so it was like, it wasn't boring. The game is very fast paced. It's. It's so responsive in its controls. Oh, it feels so good. Yes. And, and yes. Samus, I just almost called her Metroid. Wow, what is wrong with me? Um, but Samus, when she, like, when she is moving, is just like at the perfect pace. Like it is not slow. It is yep. nice and fast, but you don't feel like it's overwhelming. It's not like Sonic levels. <laughs> right. Um, it's perfect. And you got 360 degree ability to shoot, which sounds like it wouldn't work well, but it works amazing with the analog sticks and uh, all your other abilities that you're able to get. So like from that side of things, like I'm still having fun. Anytime that I came up against an Emmy, it was stressful as all get out. I still had a great moments there. But as far as the that main draw of like, 
what secrets of this world have how, how do i figure this stuff out like i figured it out too early and so i did not have that as a carrot throughout the game as i might have hoped now again there's still other things just the standard gameplay the bosses like each boss was so cool and yes. in depth and yeah and challenged you in a new way yep so i'm not i'm not saying it to discount the game i don't think bored is the word i would use right either. right um but you, i think you are correct in that there was some part of it i felt like was disappointing to me because i had figured it out yeah yeah and when josh says figured out obviously th- there's a point in which like and this is the formula for from what i can tell many many if not all metroidvania games is that you are you're given um in many cases a uh right or left kind of play style you know you really don't have much verticality for the most part until later in this game and that's something that's a plus for this game but um but you really don't have a ton of verticality and as you gain more abilities um you have to use those abilities to unlock new areas so it's like look for the new ability and then look for the specific application of that ability to progress and it just starts to when you figure that out the whole game feels oh no they're funneling me all of a sudden um and like well and it's like they are in that like typically as soon as you get a new item you use it like three or four times right. to unlock new areas or to move on to a new one whatever it may be and so it like oh, it tells you like okay here's your new item okay now here's where you go like here's the direct path yeah and then you get to the new area and sometimes at that point you kind of begin to explore a little bit more but sure enough, once you find it like that correct spot again, it goes back to that funneling of okay, go now here, 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 yeah, and it takes you into the direction it wants you to go. Yeah, and I did. I will say I did. I think swap around some power ups. Like like you said, you got one too early. I think there's one I got too late, and I think there's one I got too early. And so like there's there's still variety there. Like you can still have a little bit of autonomy and do things out of order. But this game is not a link between worlds where the whole thing is open to you at the start and you can just go and, and, and find power-ups left and right and that, that changes the direction you can go. Um, it is funneling you from, for the most part, power-up to power-up. Yeah, right. Um, and, and Which, again, is, is just a reality of these sort of games sometimes. And, and I think most Metroid games are, are similar to that. This one feels a little bit more guided than some of the previous ones. So it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but as a hardcore gamer, you know, I just, I didn't feel challenged enough, Jared. <laughs> you know, no, um, I'm just kidding. I, I would, <clears throat> and this goes back to a comment that I made earlier is like, I just didn't feel like there was as much layering. And this is so arrogant of me as a non game designer to say this. I didn't feel like there was enough of a layering of abilities or pathways. I really felt like, yeah. Oh, it, like if you, you're dropped off in the base level of the game and you have to get, um, you know, one or two abilities to uh, unlock the next pathway and that's fine. So you, you understand the formula, but I really felt like the game could have benefited from a divergent, maybe two or three or four pathway system. It's like, if you choose the route, like I would love to hear speedrunners talking about, it would be the fastest to go the grapple route. It's the fastest to go to the spider crawl route. It's the fastest sure, to go. You see what sure. I'm saying? It's the fastest to go the mega bomb route. And what they're talking about is doorways that like you're able to unlock this ability by like totally. let's imagine let's imagine um Ataria. Is it a 
whatever it is, the first very first level. Imagine there's four exits Honestly, to that area. I don't remember area. any of the places names. <laughs> Say what? Yeah, shore up. Yeah, it. but imagine there's four exits to that first area, and they're all unlocked by the same power up in the first area. But you get to choose your adventure from that point. And so you see what I'm saying? And one takes you to Berenia, one takes you to Dairon, yeah. one takes you to whatever else. And instead of having different areas be more violent or with stronger enemies, just have all enemies level up with you, if that makes sense. Sure. So like that's totally. kind of... And, but and like, I think that that would... Say what? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just, but, but then again, that is so arrogant of me to suggest that, like me not having all the answers to my own idea... I just felt like sometimes, like, I just want a little bit less funneling, more variety. And now at this point, I'm just ballparking ideas for, like, how to avoid the funneling. But if you do what I'm talking about, you're changing the entire game. So it's like, you know. Take, you are. Yeah. But there's there's a possible, like, a possible way to, like, there is a way to do it, I guess. Yeah. And other games have done it. Yeah. But you're, like, what you're saying is resonating with me because that is, like, how I felt. Like, yeah. there were moments where... It does. It feels like it opens up, mm-hmm. like it feels like it's giving you a lot of options. But then you go to corner one and you can't go further. Yeah. And you go to corner two and you can't go further. Yep. And then it's like, oh, they want me down in corner three. Yeah. Like that's where I'm supposed to go. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. And then later you realize, oh, okay, I got the power up. Now I can go to corner one. I see. But it didn't give me the option of, oh, hey, uh, corner one's available now. Like go ahead and head in that direction or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, that definitely resonates with me. Yeah. Did you find the game too difficult? No, no. Especially I, in the Emmy sections or with any boss fights. No, no. And that's rare for me <laughs> just because I'm so casual. But, like, there was moments in Dark well, Souls. Oh, yeah, you're, you're the Funky Kong guy. Yeah, 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 I am. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> there's moments There's moments in Dark Souls or Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze or... or um, uh, what's the other one I struggled with? Uh, um, I don't remember the name of it. Where I'm just like, this is is not even enjoyable anymore. <laughs> like, this is just... But I never felt that way with Metroid. I really felt like, no. If I just get better, I will beat this game. If I just get good, bruh. Like, that's... that's you gotta get good. But, like, I, I actually really felt the difficulty of this game was mega appropriate. I, it pushed me to my limits every single time, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was all about spacing properly and uh, using the right s- speed and these metrics and, a, and thinking ahead and having quick reaction time as opposed to a stamina battle in some cases. You know what I mean? So it really, I, I really, really enjoyed it. What it, did you, were you, did you feel like the combat was lackluster for you? Obviously you're going to try to do it on hard mode. Is that why? No, I think it, it put up a fantastic challenge. Like that was one of the things I yeah. honestly, that surprised yeah. me going into this because when you go back to like a simpler format, it, it can be easy to cut corners and to handhold, which I think some of the funneling that they do with, you know, going throughout the game is a little handholdy. But as far as like the bosses, especially like they don't pull punches. They are willing to make oh, yeah. these things complex. They're willing to add. There's there's always I think in almost all of them. I might be wrong, but I, from what I'm like thinking through now, they all have at least a second phase where like something changes, and so you got to stay on your feet in that way, mm-hmm. which is like you know classic boss design. But I'm glad they took that step. 
And then on top of that, like it always feels fair. Like it's difficult, but it's the fair kind of difficult, which is the the best yes. kind. Yes. Where you, when you Absolutely. mess up, when you die, you you know what you did wrong. You know how you could be more accurate. Like you know you should have been more cautious about attacking in that moment. You know you should have been careful and playing more mm-hmm. defense and and jumping instead of trying to get in a couple more shots or whatever. So like in in that yeah. side of it, like it's totally fulfilling too because it rewards you when you do conquer it it feels like you did this you figured out what the problem was and you got through it doesn't feel like a fluke um so the difficulty is perfect and that makes me wonder how hard is going to be because honestly this game gives it gave me a run for my money quite a bit now part of that i think is because i played this when i was sick with covid uh the game came out the weekend i was quarantined so I was playing it and like half alive <laughs> for some of it. <laughs> so, Forget vaccines, just play Dread to get you through COVID. For real. Well, yeah, at least it'll keep you on your toes. But like, I felt like I wasn't quite as accurate as I could have been. Um, but nonetheless, like, it was awesome. And it genuinely, like, and I did not expect this, but it genuinely stressed me out. Like, sweaty palms, which honestly does not happen very much in gaming anymore for me. Yeah. Um, but this game got me to sweaty palm status, which tells me that it's pushing me like, and it's, it's pushing my ability and it, it, mostly with Emmys. It was mostly in those Emmy situations yes, where it's dude. like, you have to be calculated. You have to like move fast, like as fast as possible. And even then sometimes it's just like, it's inevitable. They're going to catch you. And so you just, you feel this moment of dread and it's like, it works so well. Like the, the setup with those Emmy conflicts is so straightforward and so simple, but it works so well. It's like literally if it touches you, you have what one to two chances to stop it and then you die and then you got to start over. And thankfully it doesn't throw you to the safe point. It throws you right outside of the Emmy area, which is great. Um, but it's so pure and, and for that reason, like, you know what the rules are, you know what's going to happen, and these really generic-looking robots at first, like, become, like, this source of dread and stress. I mean, where the word Metroid Dread comes in for me is with the Emmys, and they're oh, chasing absolutely. you through, and especially as they get more and more abilities, and, like, some of the later ones, like, clearly outclass you. Like, you outclass them by the end because you, you get all the the power-ups, but, like, before you get the power-ups, they are, like, formidable forces that you can't... Like, it it feels like you can't handle it. And... Yeah. And I loved that. I love that because it, it pushed me in ways... And it, and it pushed me in ways that other Metroid games have not. That's one thing that Dread does that other games did not, is that those Emmy conflicts and those, those microcosms of stress were a great change of pace from the standard exploration from the standard monsters and all the other aspects of the game that we know and love yeah it every october for the last um every october for the last several years i've felt like here we go again same old same old same old horror movies that we watch every year around this time and i'm over it it's not scary anymore and in the gaming world the hype thing right now is to watch a twitch live stream or play a horror vr game or a horror game you know what I mean? Like there's this sure. really weird colorful one lately that people, I don't know, even know the name of it because I don't really watch Twitch, but like the, they're running through this super colorful scheme with a big grinning, vicious jaw thing coming after them. I can't remember, but um, that's super popular right now. It's on TikTok and YouTube and all this stuff. But this game surprisingly had me 
like you're saying, palm sweaty and uh, knees weak, arms heavy. It was great. <laughs> like the whole time, it, it was good stuff. And you're exactly right. One of the strong points of this game is that saving, saving is super appropriate. It never feels like it's a cop-out save or a cheap save. You never pause your gameplay to save because you know you're about to die. You don't have to do that. You never have to interrupt yourself in uh, gameplay. You just have to make a decision as you're passing through a room to do a save that takes you less than three seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it, You never have to remove yourself from the immersion to save your game. I really liked that. If you think about classic saving in a game, you got to pause the game. And sometimes you pause it just before an enemy hits you and you know you're going to die. And you hit that save button and, you know, the game resets you, whatever else. No. The entire game is designed to be played fluidly. And you, you decide to save in-game without ever having to go through a pause screen or anything else. And when you click the pause button, the start button on the Nintendo Switch, it's only to open up your controls so that you see what power-up tutorials you're working with at the time. Did you miss something? Um, as you advance further or look at the map to find out, you know, place a marker so you can head there. And it, and it really never removes you from the immersion. I really liked that. And adding the horror aspect with the Emmys was brilliant. It's it's a slight deviation from the overall narrative once you get to the end of the game. Um, mm-hmm. They're really just meant to be serve the greater purpose. They're not like bosses with personality, like some of the bot like Kraid, you know, for instance. But those instances in which they almost grab you and you have that split second chance to counter a grab and slide underneath them and keep running for your life are some of the best moments in this game. Absolutely sure. a strength. Totally. Um, and as as you mentioned, it was really cool to see them upgrade a little bit. That, remember the Emmy that like could shock you and stun you right, as you right. were running away? That's what that I'm saying. That was a yeah. great twist. And, and there's some Emmys that you have to hide from and slowly work your way through the territory. And then there's other Emmys you got to run for your life <laughs> because no matter what you do, they can sense where you are. So it's just about being quick. It was some of the most um, creative mini-boss play I've, I've seen in the game in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And while all the personality and the double phases and the, and the whatever else are placed on the um, bosses that are like big alien organisms or whatever else, the, the real structure and heart pounding moments come from those Emmys and totally. weaving in and out of their territory as you hope to eventually get the Omega cannon so you can beat them. And you don't know where that is. Right. And another aspect that adds to the the horror, I'll say, with air quotes, to this game, the good horror, is that when you pass through a room, you never know if that door is gonna lock behind you. I loved that about this game. Like because all the map is blacked off um and you really only uncover it as you pass through the physical space of an area. Um, like, like some games, for instance, like uh, Breath of the Wild, right? You open up your map, and you can actually like see a wide radius around you. Skyrim's like that, too. Um, uh, it, when you open up your map, you can see... Um, well, maybe not Skyrim. Skyrim's a bad example. But you get what I'm saying. It's like as you're, you don't actually have to go through a physical space to unlock that space. You can kind of stand next to the wall, and it'll show you what's in the other room. Some yeah. games are like that with their maps. This game, not like that. You really do have to move through every single pixel to get all of that energy. So when you, when you are looking for you know, the, the pathway through, a lot of these rooms are designed as the same size as a boss room. And some rooms are massive and they don't have a boss in them. So you just never know when you pass through that door whether you're going to get a boss fight or right. your standard minions or whatever else. The only thing 
that gets your heart pounding is when you see that Emmy door. Yeah. And you know you've got to walk through their territory to get oh, to the, the anticipation, next man. Yes. The anticipation continues through the whole game. Yeah. Uh, and not knowing what's in front of you. And they nail that. The dread in this title is probably one of the most apt video game titles for a game I've ever played. Which is like hearing that from you, like from someone who like is not associated with the dread hype that happened back in the early 2000s and like who has not played any of the other games like just warms my heart that they are able to nail that aspect because that was the promise yeah. and so for them to deliver is is a happy thing <laughs> for me i feel it's like great. you could take the least interesting person on twitch and sit them down with this game, and because of the way the game is designed, they would be, if they just did their genuine reactions to the game, it would be entertaining. Because sure. I don't think anyone can play this game without getting stressed out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I know, I know Lucy, if she were to run through this, or maybe even, it, it, maybe you'd agree that if Karina were to play this game, she'd be like, ah, I, I can't do this, I can't do this, take the controller, take the controller. Oh, yeah, but That definitely. would be... That would absolutely be Lucy's reaction, and I know it would be enjoyable to watch. So it it definitely that's one of the strong suits of this game. Josh, what would you say is the? Would did you say you enjoyed the horror or the tension or the stress aspect of it or the cinematics of this game more of the two? Which one did you do you think is the bigger strength? I think the tension. So you've mentioned cinematic moments before, and I definitely want to talk about it. Yeah, I think the tension is certainly. Like that's the lasting feeling I have. Uh, the moments of of fun cinematics and whatnot, where you know Samus is doing a flip or whatever, or like running up the arm of a monster, <laughs> are great. But it's not like the heart and soul of of Dread is in those moments of stress, like you said. So it's it's just not going to live up to that. That being said, though, I appreciate that they they were willing to. Um, take in some cinematic moments because that was one thing with Metroid Other M that like people were really looking forward to. They had beautiful CG cutscenes of a character that had mm-hmm. been you know traditionally in a 2D game. So like to see mm-hmm. the the sci-fi aspects of it realized was awesome. And this game captures that on a smaller scale. There's not CG cutscenes, <clears throat> so like you don't get that side of it. But within the game's fights and whatnot, you get you get some flair, which is great. Um, was that something that stood out to you at all, or did it seem pretty standard? Because, again, this isn't, like, a mind-blowing PS5 game from the graphics right. side of things. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. I think I do have to temper my excitement over this specific aspect of the game simply because it's not like I'm playing Cyberpunk or Elden Ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not... Um, uh, you're exactly right. Like there is a limit to the console's ability to wow you with stunning visuals, um, and, and that's just the nature of the Switch itself. But what I will say is that from two perspectives, this was a fantastic way to introduce me to the series. From two perspectives, one, the background is very much alive. Yes, there's a point in Gavoran where it really struck me that like, well, it strikes you in the first when you wake up in your blue, you're light blue, and you could tell your armor's powered down from the opening game cutscene, right? Because she's mm-hmm. orange when she comes in. And then you're blue and your Didn't suit's they, smaller, like, right? Explain that by like her like they said like she had physical amnesia or something like that. Yeah, which I, I thought that was never heard that term before, but I thought dumb. that was beautiful. You thought it was beautiful? I thought it was so dumb. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you could, I could easily see how someone could think that was cliche, but like there is a point where in physical therapy, you can ask any PT, physical therapist, like, hey, is it true that people forget how to walk? I mean, the answer is that's yes. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So mm. to me, that was perfectly believable. I was like, actually, instead of mental amnesia, like I forgot how to shoot a gun. It's like, no, no, no. My body doesn't remember what it's like to take recoil. Like that, that to me was like a totally believable. I really like that actually. And then, um, uh, but, but, but no, the, the, the cut scene in the background, like you, you're dropped off and you can see this bridge collapsed in the background of the shot and the elevator that you started your original journey on way in the background. Yeah. And you're like, shoot, all right, this is going to be a long journey all the way back to the top. And, and I really liked that from the very first moment, the background came alive. There's moments in this game where, um, like in Gavorin, you have, there's this weird flying creature that like shoots a blue or purple uh, haze out of its belly as it flies majestically like a flap flap over you. <laughs> and um, it's like a flying stingray. And and in the background of Gavorin, the entire time you're exploring that area, there's those things flying around. And there's this like open world, pseudo open world feel to some of these uh, map mini maps, you know, these areas of the game. And I really enjoyed that. Additionally, sometimes the creature you're about to fight is in the background. Yeah. And it's coming, you know, it's walking around, it's it's hunting you a little bit. And and there's a moment in uh I think it's Kataris, I could be wrong, where there's a it's whatever the biological lab is where they're um uh experimenting on creatures or something. There is a, a creature lying being experimented on in the background. And when you come back to that map later, it's gone. And it's something that you had to um, uh, deal with later on. And I just thought, like, oh, that's, that's a really cool way to show your ability to communicate big cinematic moments. Yeah. And in addition to the second – and obviously you talked about the fight scenes. Like, sometimes if you counter a boss successfully, like you were saying, you – you get this cut scene where Samus will take the controls from you. We'll, we pivot to 3D, uh, the shot, the camera's behind her as she does some like super cool boss move on, on the baddie. And she like knocks him out or does extra damage or something like that. And what's also cool is that you can like damage the boss in those cinematic movements. All you got to do is hit the button and it'll, you'll shoot and she'll yeah. be moving around. Yeah, and definitely. That was really cool. But probably my favorite aspect to the cinema was in dealing with the ex-parasites in the sense that Samus speaks a total of like maybe four or five words the entire game. It's like, come on, Nintendo. Like, can I have a main character that talks? Like, please, (laughs) can I have a flagship character that talks? Mario goes, Yahoo, and that's it. Link doesn't speak, and Samus has six words. Like, really? Like, come on. Well, Jared, Um, you might get your wish with the Mario movie with Chris Pratt. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, but but anyway, she says like six words the whole time. So how am I supposed to fall in love with her character? And here's the answer. She, in these cinema moments, she is more of a bounty hunter, bounty hunter boss than you will ever be. Like you're doing your cute little flips and jumping off walls and you're shooting pew pew and stuff. And then she pulls out this massive thing where she jumps on this creature's head and follows it around as it drags you up a thermal conductor and she's blasting away at it the whole time and you're like this 
your heart, you're like, I would marry this woman. I would, <laughs> like, I would absolutely. There's something about a woman who knows how to take charge and take care of messy business and blow away aliens that you just really fall in love with. And I, from a psychological perspective, it's it's important for me as like the narrative and lore guy to be able to fall in love with my main characters. And I definitely did throughout this game because of those cinema moments. That's awesome. That's good to hear too. Cause, um, I mean, your only connection with Samus was smash bros. So like, right. For exactly. that to, to translate to a deeper connection into the, her game itself is, is great. Great to hear. And I did, I did love you mentioned this and I just wanted to bring it up. Like, I love that. Like, the game at the start tells you like okay your objective is to get back to your ship and then that's the whole game like that's the entire time you're trying to get back which it doesn't seem like it's going to at first i guess maybe if you're if you're paying closer attention like you might be like oh all right now i'm gonna explore the whole game but like typically in a game like you have multiple objectives you know like Mm -hmm. okay you did this thing okay now we have the next chapter or whatever but like it it's it it subverted my expectations in that moment by doing that and it made it very enjoyable because it only clicked once i got to like the third or fourth area that i was like okay i'm not getting back there (laughs) yeah like there's too much to explore there's too much of this game still to come like and the ship is a little too far ahead but like it gives you that little blinking like head back to your ship on your map every time that you open up from the very beginning of the game and it just keeps driving you like it impels you to continue on because that's your objective and like you haven't quite gotten there yet so i mean a true yes a true adventure is is like you kind of set a rough objective for yourself and then the adventure happens at every waypoint in between you know um like when i was traveling for college yeah we had you know objectives tour for the summer and get back to the school in one piece. But all the fun happened on the in-between stuff. You True, know? yeah. And uh, it, it, absolutely, this this game does not, it, it just doesn't overwhelm you with pointless details. No. Like, I understand that I have to, you know, get to checkpoint B in order to do this and do that and finally get to the end, end result. No, this game just says, get back to your ship anyway, anyway, any means possible. And you're just working it out from there. Yeah. Uh, so you're exactly right. Totally 100% agree with you on that point, for sure. Is there any other aspect of the game that you want to touch base on? I mean, the only other thing I can think of is, like, the music, which was pretty good for Metroid. Like, it wasn't anything that blew me away, but yeah. um, it serves its yeah. purpose. And, and the game is definitely meant to be beaten repeatedly uh, in the sense that that's how they are going to get a long-lasting enjoyment out of this game. They're going to give you graphics for beating the game under certain conditions, uh, like, you know, collectible prints. Um, how cool would it be if, uh, it, given the recent conversation on Twitter and Reddit and everything, if you got an NFT at your after beating the game? <laughs> how cool would that be? Um, you know, this is your print, your version of the game. You know, you beat it this way, here's your code to go get a Samus NFT that's your, you own, you know? Um, uh, that would be cool. It, totally random, but... Um, but no, the music was great. Uh, what was I going to say? I, I would just say that like, um, the, the whole, the whole vibe of the game forms an incredibly cohesive package. There's nothing out of character. There's no distracting values. There's no incoherent thoughts or bubbles or whatever else. Everything works seamlessly. And I really enjoy that fact. Like there's, there's some like, Sometimes in games like Skyrim or Dark Souls, there's like additional things that like they're memeable because they don't fit 
the game. Like it doesn't make sure. sense. You know, there's the weird yeah. things here and there. This game is a cohesive package that's absolutely a full product on its own. And I, I just, I don't know. I enjoyed the whole schema as, as, as a thing. Is, uh, it's just really enjoyable for sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that's surprising too, considering the fact that they were balancing so many different parts of it like the the chozo plus the x plus the metroid plus samus and where she's yep. been like all yep. of that should have not worked i don't think like and and should yeah. not have worked as well as it certainly did and the fact that they pulled yeah. it off at all and that they did it at the level that they did is impressive is like makes me happy as a longtime fan and i just hope that metroid prime 4 can deliver on this level of quality for that same sort of vision because that's going to be it's going to be harder. It's going to be different because it's not a 2D game. Um, they're going to have to take what makes this game special and figure out how that translates, which the original Metroid Prime games did. So it's possible. You know, like I know it's possible. Yeah. And I hope that yeah. they can do that. No, that's so. a good point. Um, but I look they forward to seeing a, how they can. They did take a lot of different spices and flavorings and created something that was really good. I will say um, one extra thing that that adds to, in my opinion, adds to this game is that, like, you are given different power-ups and different tools, and by the end of the game, like, that final cutscene as you run to your ship as fast as you can is, like, really fun because oh, yeah. it's, you know, just blasting everything, and that's fun. But there is a point in the game in which you do feel indestructible, and I waited until that point. That was when I got the uh, flippy jump screw attack, I guess is what they call it. Yeah. Um, which for me was funny because there's some of these games, like the big bomb, the charge, the plasma charge, whatever else, that's stuff you can kind of use in Smash Brothers, which is funny. So like to me, there was like two levels of nostalgia going on there. It's for but, sure. Um, yeah, but but no, what I will say is that this game does have a, a, a significant, well, I'll say I'll say worth mentioning verticality to it like axiom verge you never learn how to like fly you know what i mean like you you do have to platform your way up to get to higher places in this game there there becomes a rhythmic jumping that you can do where you like the vert the ceiling is removed essentially you just have this verticality and i really did enjoy that and i i felt like they used that well um and you know i enjoyed that i enjoyed that they added that verticality that third direction that z axes to this game and um, it feels just so refreshing after spending the whole game on the ground like stuck to yes. the left to right yes now let me ask you a question so do you, did you enjoy axiom verge more than dread um oh man that's a good question I I'm my first reaction is no, um, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna stick with that. Just go with my gut on that because I think Metroid is a more polished game. It's obviously yeah. better graphics, better presentation, just from the budget side of things. And I'm also gonna say I prefer Metroid because it it does deliver on everything I want from Metroid. Axiom Verge delivers as well, but in an unexpected way whereas with metroid like there's so much anticipation there and so many expectations going into it that for them to achieve that i think is is worthy of applause whereas with axiom verge i had no expectations so the fact that they went above that is not 
surprising. It's admirable, and I appreciate that they they put forth or Thomas Harper put forth the effort that he did to to craft a fantastic game. Or am I mixing the two men? Is Harper the Underworld guy or Undertale? I I might be mixing them up. Um, whoever the single creator is, Hap. Yeah, it's Undertale. Hap. Yeah, it's am I? Oh my, never mind. I'm not gonna be able to figure this out in this moment. Um, so it's great that like a particular like one creator was able to put together axiom verge but there's just something about metroid like i can't deny that i have a connection to it in a way that that verge is not and and i have been playing have you touched axiom verge 2 at all jared no i haven't no i've been playing it and it does not click with me even in the way that the first axiom Mm. verge does so i don't know Uh, not to say that that's anything against the first game or has anything to do with this argument but i will say i prefer this one to to verge um and for that reason i also think that it should be in the hall of games Uh, i have no no qualms against putting it in there what about you yeah and in answer to yeah my own question as i'm listening to you talk about it i think what really sets apart the two games is pacing um you know Thomas in uh, Axiom Verge, or or uh, what's the main character's name? I think Thomas is the creator, but like, I don't remember that. Uh, Trace? Oh, yeah, Trace. Trace, um, yes. Yeah, Trace in Axiom Verge, like, his running speed in the game is slow. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's, there's something about the pacing of that game, the speed of that game that's a, a far cry. It's half the speed that Dread is. I mean, with Dread, I mean, you are booking it through these areas. Samus is a... She's a runner. She's a track star. She just, I mean, they just totally. crushing it, cruising through these areas. Um, so it, it's the pacing. It, it felt longer than it took me to beat it. It really did. Um, you know, I, it took me 15 hours to beat it, but it felt longer because I was running around a lot. But I think what it really was is that it, it just didn't take me too long to accomplish and to move around the map. I look at the big map and I'm like, I'm going to get from Berenia to Kataris. And man, that's going to take me forever. It'll probably take me 10 or 15 minutes. And you can actually get from Berenia to Kataris if you don't use the teleport in like maybe three minutes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just doesn't, the speed and the pacing of the game is it's so fluid. viciously fast. Yes, it's super fluid. And so the, the only other thing other than the funneling that annoyed me was the speed boost challenges annoyed me. I, I had to like <laughs> Google like most of them. I couldn't figure them out. Yeah, that really and that's me. a Metroid thing too where it's like, Man, yeah, I know that there are arrows for the speed boost, but I have no clue how to angle myself or like how to yeah. run fast enough to get that to work. Yeah, yep. that, that's totally a Metroid thing too. That's hilarious that you bring that up. Yeah. So but would you I, say I, would you say that this game should be in the Hall of Games? Yeah, yeah, because because the pressure that Nintendo was under from 2005 until like they finally said we're ready at E3 and waiting for the technology to be correct. And the creator waiting for the technology to be correct and the pressure they put themselves under. This is different. This goes to your point, what you said about Axiom Verge is like um, the creator of Axiom Verge, like no one was expecting greatness from him. You know what I mean? Like he had all the time and no pressure in the world to create something that was beautiful. Totally. And there are things, there are things that are created in the absence of busyness. And Idle Mind does create some very flowery thoughts if you allow it, if you allow your mind to daydream and to wander and to imagine. But there's something about pressure that creates diamonds and pearls and gems and things of value. And I think that when you rise to the challenge and you, you meet the expectations of others and exceed them, you know, 
that is when the whole world stands to their feet and, and celebrates. The pressure of the Olympics creates some of the highest and lowest moments in sports history. Um, so it's powerful stuff. And that's really, you know, maybe it's too much of an analogy because that's humans and that matters, you know, more than maybe creating a video game. But, but, but at the same time, like that's the analogy I think of is like the pressure is on your whole country has the, 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 a country has acknowledged that those who have selected you to go to this have excluded phenomenal people to choose you to do this thing. And, and that is how I feel about Metroid. And they just, I think they, uh, they exceed the expectations that the community put on them and charmed us with yet another fantastic adventure. Yep. I agree 100%. And again, not guaranteed Mercury steam had done one Metroid game before, but had never right. done one on the scale and that they are able to deliver the way that they did, that they are able to uh, fulfill expectations of a longtime fan, but then also satisfy the game enjoyment of a newcomer like like yeah. yourself is yeah. is impressive uh it doesn't overstay its welcome like i said i do think price wise it should be a little bit less like that's that's my big sticking point and then um yeah. just some aspects of the linearity with it but otherwise like i cannot recommend this game enough it is it is still worth the price to me um, I don't know if, if you don't like Metroidvania games, if this will click with you, right, but this is right. one of the best ones. If you, if you were interested in trying to get into the <clears throat> genre, this is up there. It just feels good. If it, it flows well, the, the quality that you want from the cinematics, from the, um, moments of stress, all of that's there. So dive in, jump into it. Um, and I think that we can confirm that, that this game is in our hall of games um kachunk there with that then into our hall of games here and and with that then we wrap up this episode any final tributes or thoughts jared to uh metro dread no really enjoyed it look forward to the next time we can uh discuss another game absolutely uh we were planning on doing apex legends at some point that'll probably be what we do when we do another episode uh but jared had finished up metroid dread and was hankering to talk about it so i'm glad we we're able to step down or step aside and step aside i don't know uh come to the side of our lives here take a moment and just a little uh, fireside chat yeah fireside chat's a great way of putting it i love that and we can just kind of hang out and and talk through it great game highly recommend one of the good games of this fall it's up for uh, game of the year for game awards i don't know yeah. if it wins that it's got some stiff competition but i i do think it well deserves it so uh fantastic game pick up metroid dread if you can and with that being said uh we have reached the end of this particular episode so thank you for taking the time to listen i hope you agree with our decision and if you don't tell us why until then this is the casual and the video game bard signing off thanks guys not sure when the next episode is going to be but we'll get it in there whenever it is (laughs) so have a good one until then